Well, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are in a bit of a holding pattern right now. What does it mean for Gonzaga and their quest for conference realignment? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Happy Tuesday. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you who celebrate. Happy Mike Hart love for all of you out there. Uh, We got a fun show today. We're going to talk about the Big 12, Pac-12, Big East, all sorts of conference realignment conversation, what the latest news out of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 kind of means for Gonzaga, or at least means for those conferences, what it could mean for Gonzaga. We're going to chat all about that in the first segment. Uh, We're going to talk about bracketology in the second segment, the latest update from Joe Lenardi, what it means for the Zags, where they might be headed, uh, what St. Mary's looks like, if there's any other WCC schools involved. And we'll close out the show with a similar conversation involving the women's basketball program and where they are currently seated as well. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, This was a mailbag question from Jeff via Gmail. Many other people had questions regarding conference realignment. I'm just going to read Jeff's question here, and we're going to kind of go through those points one by one as we talk about the latest with the Big 12. Jeff says, now that the Big 12 has settled their long-term TV deals and also settled on the exit time and exit fees for Texas and Oklahoma, the Big 12 has stated they are turning their attention to expansion. Gonzaga has been a major part of discussion in that expansion. When do you think we might hear something official regarding Gonzaga and the Big 12? Does the Big 12 make a move before the Pac-12, which also seems to be pretty close to expansion announcements? Yeah, it was a good good recap by Jeff there. I kind of go through the points one by one. The biggest thing that has kind of been holding up any level of expansion conversation, really for any conference right now, particularly the Big 12 and the Pac-12, has been this Texas and Oklahoma situation. These two schools, still members of the Big 12, had been trying to negotiate the ability to get into the SEC earlier. Uh, their current, the most recent contract situation said that they weren't able to get into the SEC until 2025. They were finally able to negotiate a deal involving the Big 12 Conference, the SEC, as well as the two member schools and the media partners, which was the biggest hinge. The Big 12 would had agreed, okay, yes, this is fine. We will allow Texas and Oklahoma to move on. Uh, they'll give us some money. It'll be fine. It'll, it'll be all kosher. We'll be good to go. And then Fox stepped in and said, oh, oh hang on. <laughs> we don't want to lose a whole bunch of money from not being able to broadcast Texas and Oklahoma games for an entire season. So they had to do some hand-wringing and figure it all out. Ultimately, Texas and Oklahoma are ending up paying close to, I, th- I think, exactly $100 million uh, towards those media rights companies in order to secure their place in the SEC a season earlier. Lots of long-term ramifications for this involving both the Big 12 and the SEC. None that are particularly relevant to Gonzaga fans, so I won't get too far into the weeds. But what this does mean is that the Big 12, who's already expanding significantly, I think that's an important caveat here. Next year, the Big 12 is adding four schools. They're adding BYU. That is the most notable one for Gonzaga fans. Of course, that has been an off-topic, off-discussed conversation uh, in this podcast just as we look at BYU's final season in the WCC. Uh, Big 12 is also adding some more significant basketball players uh, in Houston, one of the best teams in the entire country, a team that I would rank number one. Were I an AP poll voter at this current moment? Fantastic program right now. They're also adding UCF, Central Florida, uh, a kind of odd fit geographically, but another solid program 
program for both the basketball and football perspective. And then they are adding Cincinnati as well. So the Big 12 is already bringing in four new schools. They're replacing, you know, it's tough to replace high level brands like Texas and Oklahoma, particularly uh, on the football field. Although Texas, obviously, I mean, both programs are also very excellent on the basketball field, uh, court, basketball field, uh, on the basketball court as well. So uh, Big 12 is kind of an interesting spot. They're bringing in four schools to replace two schools in a way. Yeah, you could argue the basketball doesn't take too much of a hit, especially because they're bringing in Houston. But um, even though BYU has played Gonzaga particularly uh, close this year, they would be one of, if not the worst team in the Big 12 this year. And that's kind of more a testament to how good the Big 12 is. I think it's it's really ridiculous how good the Big 12 is. There's not really any other way around it. For a while, nine of their 10 teams uh, for this season were in the top 40 in Ken Palm, top 40 in Ken Palm. A ridiculous number. Texas Tech just pulled off a monster victory over Texas recently. There is no easy game in the Big 12. The every, there's not even like a mid-level game. in the Big, Every game in the Big 12 is really, really difficult. And you look at the additions they're making. Yeah, BYU doesn't move the needle all that much. Cincinnati is fine. They're not elite necessarily. Central Florida probably a little bit towards the bottom of the Big 12 conference from a basketball perspective as well. But then Houston really kind of brings the top level of that conference up even more. Uh, but right now, right now, the Big 12 is primarily focused on the four corner schools. These are the schools that are hanging on by a thread in the Pac-12. That is Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Again, with every conversation that revolves around conference realignment, unless it is specifically involving Gonzaga or specifically involving the Big East, all of these conversations are centered around football. That is the key here. Now, for the Big 12, I think they'd be pretty darn happy getting Arizona from a basketball perspective as well. And I, that would be, I mean, just think about Arizona getting added to a conference that already has Kansas and Baylor and Houston and every other elite Kansas State and Iowa State, every other elite program that is in that conference already. Uh, adding Arizona to that mix just is an absolute gauntlet in a significant way for the Big 12 conference. That's not to say that Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, they all help. Uh, need, none of those three schools are currently projected to be inside the field of 68 Utah is I think in the next four out Arizona state was briefly considered an NCAA tournament team, but they took some pretty tough losses in conference play and have kind of fallen out of that conversation. Colorado is one of the most baffling teams in the entire country with that big win over Tennessee, a couple other nice wins held Oregon to 41 points, but have also dropped some, some pretty horrendous games as well. So doesn't move the needle as much for basketball, but I think that that's the holdup right now. To really kind of get around to answering the question, I think the significant holdup right now is that the Big 12 is focused on the four corner schools. The Pac-12 is basically focused on survival. That is where they are at right now. They released a statement recently basically encouraging unification among the 10 schools currently there. They are trying to not lose any more institutions. That is their primary goal. Now, they have also reached out to both SMU and San Diego State as potential additions to get back up to the Pac-12 name. We know that that has happened. George Klyavkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, went to Dallas, toured SMU's campus, checked out the facilities. This is a legitimate interest that they have. But if you're Gonzaga right now, I think you're kind of just in a holding pattern. You're waiting to see how this shakes out. The Pac-12 has not extended an invitation to Gonzaga, nor do they seem likely to do so, despite the fact that they are watching a lot of their assets 
get poached, get pulled by other conferences, potentially losing more schools. I would think that they would want aggressively to try to bring Gonzaga in, but Gonzaga should not be super interested in that. If I'm Gonzaga and the Pac-12 saying, hey, you know, after 15, 20 years of completely ignoring you, now that we're kind of on a sinking ship, here, we'll extend an invitation your way. And if I'm Gonzaga, I say, I'm going to wait and see what's going on with the Big 12 because every single one of those basketball programs is better than basically all but two of the programs that you have over here in the Pac-12. Again, the Pac-12 right now, we'll talk about this more in the second segment, they only have two teams in the NCAA tournament field right now. Only two. Of course, it's Arizona and UCLA who are both on the two line, but that's it. Oregon's out of the field right now. USC's out of the field right now. They only have two teams in the top conference tournament or in the Pac- or excuse me, the NCAA tournament. So if I'm Gonzaga, I'm waiting this out. I'm waiting to see what happens with the Big 12. I'm not optimistic anything moves super quickly for Gonzaga. I think if the Big 12 does somehow find a way to pull those four corner schools into their conference, become a monster conference, the Pac-12 is going to have to do some serious scrambling to even continue to exist. If that happens, if they lose those four corner schools, they're going to have some serious issues. And Gonzaga is going to become kind of, I don't want to say an afterthought, but they're not going to be on anybody's priority list at that point. The Big 12 will be pretty darn full with the new schools that they have. The Pac-12 will be just focused on survival at that point. So really everything kind of hinges on that decision, that move right now. I'm keeping a close eye on it. I suggest people keep a close eye on it because I think that if things fall in the right direction for Gonzaga, we could actually see a situation where they're getting invited to the Big 12 or they're getting – I mean, we didn't even talk about the Big East here, but, like, there are other conferences that could potentially get involved here. I don't know how seriously – I don't know how seriously Gonzaga would consider it. I think their eye is pretty dead set on the Big 12 right now because it is the best basketball conference in America and because Gonzaga and Mark Few want to be competing against the very best, and I think that that is the direction they should focus. But if they don't think that that's viable or if the Big 12 lets them know, hey, we're we're focused on these four schools and we're not really focused on anything else right now, then I'm curious if Gonzaga will turn their attention towards trying to pitch their way into the Pac-12, which maybe isn't a great idea considering where that conference is right now. Maybe they do turn back to the Big East where we know that there have been at least some informal conversations and try to kind of move the needle that way. Maybe they do something different entirely. Maybe they stick to their guns in the WCC. Maybe they do look at the Mountain West now that the WCC is without BYU. Like there's a lot of different options that that could present themselves to Gonzaga at some point but I think right now it's kind of a holding pattern so in terms of being able to get dates or times or expectations for announcements uh, I would kind of I wouldn't be holding my breath let's put it that way well Joe Lenardi updated his bracketology as an early Valentine's Day present to all of us how much did it impact Mark Few's team and can they move the needle between now and selection Sunday all of that coming up but first Today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You seriously have to try a Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. They are so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. 
Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bill Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at your local Walmart or Sam's Club today. All right, segment two, still any patents, still locked on Zags. want to thank all of you for making Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure you check out the new podcast, Locked on College Basketball, for your second listen today. It's myself, Isaac Shade of Locked on Tar Heels, co-hosting that show. We have tons of great guests, experts, coaches, insiders, players, etc. Locked on College Basketball. It's available on YouTube. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're talking bracketology here in mid-February, just a couple of weeks until the greatest month of the year, March, hits us. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic field this year. Going to be a really, really fun uh, NCAA tournament. Gonzaga, of course, has been a bit more all over the place than we're used to, I know, for me personally. I like to try to book my trip to go see the Zags in the NCAA tournament. I'm sure many of you are feeling this right now where you're like, I don't even know where to buy a plane ticket. Are we going to Denver? Are we going to Las Vegas? Where is this thing going to happen? And Joe Lenardi did not do us any favors on Valentine's Day. I know I said it was an early Valentine's Day present. Not necessarily for Gonzaga fans. The latest bracketology still has Gonzaga as a four seed, which has been fairly consistent for the last few weeks that they have been on that four line. I think there's a pretty good chance, barring, of course, uh, either a a disastrous loss to somebody they shouldn't be losing to or some other changes uh, in the top 25. I think Gonzaga is probably going to end up on the four line. I think highest they end up is a three seed, and even then that feels unlikely. Not impossible, but unlikely. I think a five seed is definitely possible, especially if they lose to St. Mary's again. Uh, But I think that that's kind of their range, three to five seed. That's kind of where they're at. However, the latest from Lenardi has them as a four seed in the East region where they would be playing in Albany, New York. That is not a great draw for the Zags. They would be playing a 13-seeded Yale squad out of the Ivy League. Uh, And this is a good Yale team. There's always a handful of good teams in the Ivy League every year, at least one good year, one good team in the Ivy League. They tend to like almost automatically slot the winner of the Ivy League onto the 13 line. I don't know if anybody has noticed this, but every time uh, I look back at old brackets or I remember old brackets, it seems like whatever team won the uh, Ivy League is on the 13 line. Anyway, that's where Yale is here, 17 and 6 on the year. They're 76th in Ken Palm. This is a good team, 76th in Ken Palm. That's five spots ahead of BYU. They'd be third in the WCC based on that Ken Palm ranking, which obviously does not necessarily translate, but still interesting to note here for Yale. This is a very, very good squad. The winner, if Gonzaga were to beat Yale, they would play the winner of this matchup between a five-seeded UConn and a 12-seeded Kent State. Kent State, obviously a team Gonzaga has played earlier this year, struggled with a team that Mark Few effectively acknowledged, hey, we were hoping that was going to be an easier game for us. And this Kent State team is very, very good. I have gone on record on this podcast of saying that I am very likely to pick Kent State as a 12-5 upset if they get that 12 seed. However, UConn's really good. This is a criminal underseeding of UConn, if you ask me. If Gonzaga has to draw UConn in the second round in the, on the East Coast, That is a really bad draw for the Zags. UConn is currently sixth in Ken Palm. 
to reiterate, Joe Lenardi has this team on the five seed line, despite them being sixth in the country in Ken Palm. Now, UConn has had an interesting season. They started out with limited expectations. They ended up having a monster start to the season, dominated in the Phil Knight Invitational, moved all the way up to number one. They were the number one team in the country for a period of time earlier this year. Then they started to struggle. We've seen them really struggle on Big East play. The Big East is not an easy conference this year with the rise of Marquette, with the rise of Xavier. Of course, Providence remains a very good team. Creighton, after dealing with some injuries, uh, has been a fantastic squad as well. And, and UConn's kind of right in that conversation. But for UConn, I think because they rose all the way to the number one and then have started losing since then, there's almost kind of – it's like the pendulum has swung too far where now they're not considered a particularly good team. They're a very dangerous team. We're talking about a team that is 11th in the country offensively in Ken Palm's adjusted offense, 18th in defense, top 20 in both offense and defense. Not a lot of teams in that category. Adama Sanogo is averaging 17.7.5 rebounds per game. Uh, they're a little similar to Gonzaga in the sense that they have a dominant low post player in Sanogo, and then they have a bit of an inconsistent performance from their guards. However, when their guards are on, their guards are on, and they are better than Gonzaga's guards. Jordan Hawkins, Tristan Newton are fantastic players for this team. They're just a little inconsistent. So it would be an interesting matchup for Gonzaga. Again, I'm not necessarily automatically moving UConn over Kent State. I think that Kent State team is very, very good. I also think Gonzaga would have to work pretty hard to get by Yale because I think they're a really good squad as well. Uh, but again, I, I've seen a lot of brackets. I've looked at a lot of them this year. This is one of my least favorite draws that Gonzaga would get. The good news is it's Valentine's Day. What that means is that there's a lot of time between now and when the NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday happens. There is This is not going to be what Gonzaga ends up facing. It's just a snapshot of what it could look like at this time. For Gonzaga, I would not like a draw. I, Yale is fine. I, I, they're a good team, but that's the kind of team you expect to play on a 4-13 game. I think Gonzaga could handle Yale. UConn is a pretty rough draw. Pretty rough draw. UConn in Albany is not an ideal draw for the Zags in the second round. The number one seed on that side of the bracket is Kansas. Arizona is the two seed, and Virginia is the three seed. Also want to talk a little bit about where St. Mary's is. Of course, the only other WCC team in the field. That's not going to change. LMU, despite being the only team ever in WCC history to beat Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU in the same season, LMU does not have the resume to actually make an NCAA tournament at large bid. They would have to win the WCC tournament, which we can't rule out. <laughs> they beat all three of the teams that typically stand in the way of winning a WCC title, so that could happen. But no other teams from the WCC, St. Mary's, they, they drew a pretty crappy seat as well. They are a six seed. They are in the West region, but they're playing in Des Moines, so... Not exactly a local game for them. They're a six seed. They're playing an 11 seed, and it's a play-in between two Power 5 programs in Mississippi State and North Carolina. I wouldn't want either of those teams. Mississippi State's a sneaky, dangerous team. They're kind of coming on at the right time. North Carolina obviously began the season as the number one team in the entire country. They have had significant issues primarily on the defensive end of the floor. They've had some communication issues. Armando Baycott, Pete Nance, their two forwards, don't really play together all that well on both ends of the floor, but particularly defensively. Uh, the guards are R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, both shot takers, both high-usage guards have had some issues kind of working together. There's been some rumors of some issues off the court between those two guys. Those have kind of been squashed, so I don't think that that's an issue for them. But this is a, a dangerous team if they put it together. I mean, North Carolina, you don't need to look any farther than last year. When North Carolina had a bad regular season, finished eighth, uh, or excuse me, finished as an eighth seed, 
in the NCAA tournament, beat Baylor in the second round, went all the way to the dang national championship game before falling to Kansas. So Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels can put it together. And I would not want to see them as a six-seeded St. Mary's team thinking, hey, we had a great year. We did all sorts of good stuff. We beat Gonzaga. We, you know, we pounded a bunch of teams in the conference play. Like we we had a good season. Then you're like, oh, I get to face North Carolina in the first round. Awesome. Like that's that's a bummer draw for them. Uh, again, pollsters are going to reevaluate. St. Mary's losing that game to LMU, it hurt them. Just like it hurt Gonzaga, but there's no doubt it hurt St. Mary's more. That's just kind of part of the deal. You got to earn it a little bit. And St. Mary's fans can argue that that's not fair. And I get it. I might probably argue with them, quite honestly, uh, to fall two lines uh, from a loss like that is tough. But they got another chance at the Zags. If they beat Gonzaga on their home turf on the 25th, they're going to move back up that line. Meanwhile, if Gonzaga wins that game, they probably hold steady as a four seed. St. Mary's maybe hold steady as a six seed. Maybe they drop down onto that seven line as well, which is not great because that seven seed, you got to play a second seed in the second round. But it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Of course, the, uh, the WCC tournament will help kind of iron out some of the seeding stuff as well. A couple other notes here. Again, I mentioned there's no other WCC teams. The Mountain West still has four. Uh, again, I kind of mentioned I tossed Mount, the Mountain West out there as a potential realignment option for Gonzaga if everything else sort of falls apart. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but the conversations that have go, gone around in recent years of which conference is better, Mountain West or the WCC in terms of basketball, Mountain West has has kind of squashed those conversations, especially with BYU leaving. Uh, this Mountain West conference is really, really good. They have one play-in team in New Mexico who was the last undefeated team in the country. Uh, Boise State's a last four in with an 11 seed. San Diego State's a seven seed. And Nevada is a 10 seed. They don't have the top-end talent the way that the WCC does, but they're still a very, very solid conference. And again, I alluded to this already, Pac-12 just two teams. Arizona is a two seed. UCLA is a two seed. Oregon is the top team out. Uh, Oregon's schedule for the rest of the season is very, very cushy. They're at Washington. They're at Washington State. And then they have Stanford, Cal, and Oregon State are their final three games. Quite literally the five worst teams in the WC, or excuse me, in the Pac-12. Uh, reasonable chance that Oregon goes 5-0 and or at least 4-1 and in those games. If they do so, they'll be in the field of 68. So there's probably going to be three teams that make it from the Pac-12. Maybe USC sneaks in there. Hey, maybe somebody steals a bid in the Pac-12 tournament. Who knows? But not not a good power conference right now. In fact, every other power six conference has five or more teams in the big dance, the Pac-12 having two. Yikes. Things are not good right now in the Conference of Champions. All right, folks, we're going to close out the show talking about the Lady Zags after a big win last weekend and what their NCAA tournament seeding looks like after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, the America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers for Sacramento. Maybe you like Zach Collins in his new role as a starter for the San Antonio Spurs to keep up his high production. Maybe you want to make an exclusive bet like Corey Kisper hitting two threes in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. 
still talking bracketology here in the middle of February. Looking over to the women's side, Gonzaga's women's team is now 20th in the AP poll. They are a top 20 team in the country, a fantastic deserving nod for them. This has been a fantastic program all season long. Uh, they had that loss to Santa Clara in conference play. Their only loss so far in the WCC. They rebounded from that loss with a win over San Francisco and a big win over the Pilots of Portland have now beat that team twice. That was what they needed to do. Simply put, that was it. I mean, you don't want to lose any games in the conference play, but if they took care of Portland, they were going to win the WCC. That's what it looks like right now. They have a one-game lead in the conference play. They have some They have some tough games left. They're not playing Portland again, so that's a big, big win for them. Uh, again, 13-1 and one in conference play right now. 23-3 and three on the year. Really, really fantastic stuff uh, for the Lady Zags this season. They close the season out. Their final two games are at San Diego on the road and at BYU. Of course, a really, really tough game. The final time Gonzaga will play at the Marriott Center uh, as a member of the w- same conference as, as BYU. I mean, uh, so it'll be an interesting game there. Uh, but the U- USD is 9-5 and five in the league. BYU is 8-6. and six, So those are their only two games against teams with a positive record in conference play. BYU historically has been an excellent co- uh, conference foe. One of the best teams in the WCC. One of the best teams in the country uh, for large periods of time. They have not been that this year. They have struggled, their coach retired, and you can just kind of feel that, 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 that this is not the same team that there's been in the past. So for Gonzaga, getting a victory to close out the season at BYU really helps them uh, with their bracketology, of course, with their kind of cements their place as the WCC champion. I think they're going to get there regardless. They have a one-game lead over Portland. They have a tiebreaker over Portland. Uh, it'd be pretty surprising if things changed in a way where Gonzaga wasn't. The team hoisting the WCC regular season championship, and they should take care of business in Las Vegas as well well right now the latest bracketology has the lady zags as a seven seed top 20 team in the country seven seed don't love it don't hate it it's you know 20th in the country kind of puts you right in that six seven line of course for for gonzaga the arguments that have been used uh, against the men's program in the past uh, are going to be used here the wcc is pretty weak and this year, that's that's not debatable. There is no other team that is even really sniffing the NCAA tournament out of the WCC this season. So for Gonzaga, like they're the best team in a not very good conference. That tends to knock you down like one seed line or so. So for them being a seven seed, eh, I don't hate it. I don't love it. They're in the West. They're in Salt Lake. So they're at least local. They'll get some fans there. Their first round game is against number 10 seeded Arkansas. And the latest bracketology here, uh, that's kind of a fun matchup for them to get a chance to play a power five program in the first round. If they were to win that game, the second round game against Utah, well, that's kind of a bummer. (laughs) You got to play Utah in the second round in Salt Lake. Utah is a top five team in the country right now. They are ranked. They came in at number four in the latest AP poll, highest ranking in program history for the Utes. Uh, would be a fun matchup in the sense that it would be a reunion or a revenge tour for Brenna Maxwell. Maxwell spent three years uh, as a double-digit scorer for the Utes before transferring to Gonzaga for this season. She has been a tremendous addition for the women's basketball team. She's averaging 14.2 points, four rebounds per game. She is shooting 94% from the free throw line and a wide Dropping 51% from three. She has been a tremendous addition to this team and getting her an opportunity to play her old school in the NCAA tournament in Salt Lake 
would be pretty darn cool. This feels a little low for the women's team, like I said, but I think it's okay. They got those wins over Louisville. They got that win over Tennessee. Both those wins haven't aged exceptionally well just because those two teams have struggled since then. They lost to Marquette. They lost to Stanford. They lost to Santa Clara. Stanford loss looks fine. Stanford's one of the best teams in the country. Marquette right now is one of the first four out of the NCAA tournament. So it's still not exactly a terrible loss. And it came a day after they beat Tennessee. So I think you can kind of give them some wiggle room there. Santa Clara is not a great loss, but you know, it happens. It's not that terrible of a loss for them. Also wanted to shout out Kaylin Trung, who was the co-WCC player of the week last week after dropping 20 points against Portland. She also crossed a thousand career points. Very fun to see her do that against the best team in the conference. Opportunity to pick up a big win. Opportunity to do so in front of Courtney Vandersloot, who was in the house celebrating getting her jersey hung up in the rafters. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where myself and Isaac Shade break down the biggest stories in college hoops. More fantastic stuff coming your way later this week. More conference realignment talk. We'll, of course, preview the LMU game on Thursday. Talk about Pepperdine coming up on Friday. All here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Finally, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.